Hi, this is Paul White. I know I'm not covered in green, but you still might recognize me as the Orion Slaver from Star Trek Enterprise. And you can catch my unique interview with my friend Matthew on Trek Untold. You don't want to miss it. Hello and welcome to Trek Untold, the Star Trek podcast that goes beyond the stars. I'm your host, Matthew Kaplowitz. This episode has the biggest guest we have ever had on Trek Untold, and that's no BS. He is not only the biggest, he is also the most elite. This guest stands over 7 feet tall and weighs over 400 pounds, and his hand is bigger than my head. That's right, it's none other than Mr. Paul White from All Elite Wrestling. You might be wondering, what the heck does a guy from AEW have to do with Star Trek? Well, you may remember Paul from the Season 4 episode of Star Trek Enterprise, Borderlands, where he played an Orion slave trader. That's right, he was the one that basically got to abduct T'Pol, throw her around a little bit during the auction, and ultimately get kicked in the groin by her. But as it turns out, Paul is a huge Trekkie, something I was shocked to discover, and he has been for all of his life. Beyond Enterprise, you've seen Paul in Jingle All the Way, The Waterboy, McGruber, Burn Notice, Psych, and The Big Big Show on Netflix. But chances are, if you're like me, you've been watching him for years inside the Squared Circle, where he has held gold in pretty much every company he's been in, including the WCW Heavyweight Championship, and is a Triple Crown and Grand Slam champion inside the WWE, winning basically every single major title in singles and in the tag division across the many, many years he was in that company. But these days, he's dropped the BS and is just himself, Paul White, over in AEW, where he now serves as a color commentator and analyst for the company, as well as occasionally putting on the tights once again to do some damage in the ring. What better time than right now, as we are days away from AEW Revolution on Sunday, March 6th, to chat with Paul about Star Trek and pro wrestling, two things that have been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. And speaking of, you will not want to miss AEW Revolution this year. It's going to be a real amazing event, including a dog collar match between MJF and CM Punk, which is going to probably be just as bloody, if not more so, than the Greg Valentine and Roddy Roddy Piper match from Starcade 83. We're also going to see Brian Danielson battling John Moxley. It will certainly be a very hard-hitting bout. Chris Jericho is going to brawl with Eddie Kingston. Dr. Britt Baker will defend her AEW Women's Championship belt against one of my personal favorites, Thunder Rosa. And in the main event, we're going to see Hangman Adam Page defend his AEW World Heavyweight Championship against Adam Cole, baby. And by the way, apologies for making the same big jokes you just heard in this intro as you're going to hear at the start of my interview with Paul White. I was totally marking out. I was going insane here talking to Captain Insano. And can you blame me? I mean, really, how often do I get a chance to merge my two fandoms together, pro wrestling and Star Trek, into one awesome thing? So I hope you enjoy because I had a great time and I'm pretty sure Paul did as well. But before we begin this week's episode, if you'd like to support this show, please don't forget to follow Trek Untold on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to get the latest updates and all sorts of other fun Star Trek-related content. You can also check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash trekuntold, where you can support this show for as little as $2 a month. At higher tiers, you can check out the shows before they come out, know about my guests in advance, and even have a chance to ask them questions, among other benefits coming soon. Shout out to our sponsor, Triple Fiction Productions who create 3D printed toys and prop replicas inspired by Star Trek. Their items come in all shapes and all sizes and are always amazing, but you're going to hear a little bit more about them later on in the show. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any other audio platform that allows for ratings and reviews, 
please leave us a five-star rating and a positive review. If you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe to us at youtube.com slash nerdnewstoday and give the video a thumbs up and a comment. Doing any of those things help keep this show growing and allow me to continue bringing you awesome guests and great conversations every single week. Now, without further ado, let's beam in this week's guest. Computer, access interview file. And welcome back to Trek Untold. And now this episode is going to be no BS because we've got the biggest guest, literally, we've ever had on this show. Joining us today is Mr. Paul White from AEW. Mr. White, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Matthew. Thank you very much for having me. It's it's not very often I get a chance to, to come on and also talk about Star Trek. So it's something I'm very proud of. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, thank you for saying yes, because this is amazing for me. I was telling you off air, you know, I'm, I'm trying not to nerd out here. I'm trying not to mark out, but uh, I, I'm, in my head right now, there's a right. shit chant going on. I'll, I'll tell you a little secret about 99.9% of pro wrestlers. Uh, they all started out as marks first, so it's okay. We understand what it is to mark out. First time I met Ric Flair, I had to go outside and catch my breath because I almost fainted. Now, I'm, I was 22 years old and seven foot tall and 400 pounds and uh, yeah, I met Ric Flair. I was like, uh, I gotta go out. I had to go outside Chicago. I had to go outside of the back of the Rosemont and lean on the wall and get some cold Chicago February air to get my head straight. I was cool though. I was chill. That's a, that's a funny story for later. It was cool. Oh, that's awesome. And I've had the chance to get some stuff signed by Ric Flair, but you on the other hand have been slapped by Ric Flair. So there's a pretty big difference between our experiences. You've gotten chest chopped and beat up by him. So a uh, very different world, but I'm good. Gotten chest beat up by him. I've, uh, I've had many a, a uh, liquid libation thrust <laughs> in my hand and told to drink giant. Let's go. So, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of fun with Rick. Oh, very cool. Well, uh, Paul, I'd like to start the show off just by, you know, before we jump into some wrestling talk and some Star Trek talk, real deep into the Star Trek talk, uh, I want to ask you the question I like to ask all my guests first, and that's uh, what's your earliest memory of Star Trek? Did you watch it as a kid growing up? Oh yeah, my, my my mom was a huge huge Star Trek fan. I actually all my science fiction um, uh, cravings uh, I owe to my mom. My mom was a huge science fiction fan and a huge Stephen King fan. So I think I read uh, uh, Christine. I think in like uh, fourth grade, the one with the car, and like the teachers called in, had a meeting with my mom. My mom's like, "It's good writing. It's good form." Like you know, like I was so enamored by by. Uh, uh, stuff that my mom was reading. And she got me hooked on Star Trek right away. I mean, I was on every night uh, when I was a kid, every evening, just before supper, it was on every night. And I used to, I used to watch it religiously. My first Star Trek uh, experience that I remember was uh, watching the TV show as a kid and um, seeing Captain Kirk and, and uh, um, O'Hara. I actually, when I was a little kid, I had a crush on O'Hara. I mean, who didn't, you know, like, wow, she's pretty, you know, uh, Spock was a little, little, little bit spooky to me when I was a kid with the ears, but then I, I, I got to like him. And as I got older, I appreciated the rivalry between Doc Bones and, and Spock. And I, I love that. And I remember going and seeing, uh, Star Trek in the theaters when the movie came out, I saw the movie, um, it was much better than the other science fiction movie that come out around the same time. Do you guys remember a movie called The Black Hole? Yep, yep. Yeah, I saw that as a kid. Star Wars. Yeah, I did not. I did not dig Black Hole at all. Like that was the first time. Even as a young kid, I became a movie critic. Like I came out of the Black Hole going, I, I didn't like that movie, Mom. But Star Trek, we were fans of, and and uh, it was uh, 
cool to see the whole Star Trek society that was basically, you know, you have much bigger things to deal with than petty things that are going on at the time. I mean, you had uh, you had other uh, aliens that you were dealing with, ambassadors, how to deal with them, the language, the the outfits, the the thought of bringing your imagination as a as a young adult to uh, think about traveling the stars and becoming more than you are. That's a great answer, Paul. I'm happy to hear that you were like such a Trekkie growing up and so into it. Um, and we're going to come back to Star Trek, of course, in a little bit. But I want to ask you a few things about AEW because uh, you've certainly been right. enjoying your time there, I'd say. Uh, I mean, how does it feel to be in the company? I mean, now that you're kind of, I imagine, liberated in some ways. I mean, there's kind of like nothing really holds well, you back there. Well, it, it's funny. I And I, I mean this with a lot of of, of love and, and um, understanding. I am very thankful for every minute that I was a part of WWE. Um, they gave me a brilliant career. They, I traveled the world. I was a small town kid from South Carolina who didn't know, uh, uh, didn't know my boots from my laces. And uh, I got to meet some incredible talent, some incredible people behind the scenes, uh, people that really worked very hard that made that company uh, as big as it is globally, the powerhouse that it is. And I learned a lot there. Um, and I also understood sometimes in life, you have to, you have to make a change. You have to move. If you stay where you are, you become stagnant. You, you really start to, to rot on the vine. And I've never been a guy and, and Vince knows this. Uh, Kevin Dunn knows this. John Laurinaitis knows this. Uh, even Arn Anderson, who works with me now at AEW, they know me. I've never been a guy that sits on my ass and talks about the accolades that I've won. Oh, I've won championships. I've done, I don't give a crap. Uh, I, it's important. I don't want to say I don't give a crap because it's important to me at the time, but once that's done, what's today, what's tomorrow, I want to be moving forward and, and, and doing more. And I think just the natural evolution of WWE, I had done everything that I could do for that company as a talent. Um, and, you know, it was one of those kind of things where could I make, still be a part of the industry, still um, get in the ring and, and work with younger talent and really help them and, and help something grow and build. And uh, I saw an opportunity with AEW. And I don't think there is any animosity between Vince and I. I, I definitely don't hate Vince. Um, you know, I, I, I'm thankful for everything that, that him and, and uh, Stephanie and, and Linda and, and, and Hunter, even because Hunter was a dear friend, for, is a dear friend, has been for a long time. I'm thankful for everything that happened there. It's just, I know for me personally, as a talent, um, I wanted to do more. And there just wasn't places for me to do more in WWE. You know, there just wasn't places. And the role that was kind of being lined up for me was a nice, like a ambassador role, kind of like a golden parachute thing. I don't do much and do some media stuff here and there, pop up once in a while. Um, I still wanted more than that. I still want to compete. Now, as far as out running for championships and, and AEW championships and stuff like that, um, you know, I think that that would be the right opportunity, the right angle. Sure, I would love to be an AEW champion, um, TNT champion, uh, tag team champion. Um, anybody that's in this industry that's competing, that's working professionally, you want to be the best that you can be. You want to be respected by your peers. And you want to be the top of your game. And, and, you know, let's face it, I've been able to secure championships in every company that I've ever 
uh, every brand that I've ever worked with, whether it's WCW, WWE, ECW, WWF. So yeah, at some point before I retire, um, I'm going to have some AEW gold. What it is yet, I don't know, but I will work very hard to earn that. And what I mean by earn it, and I mean just exactly that, earn it. There's a level of competition and a level of ability that uh, I'm expecting from myself. I've talked to Tony about this quite extensively. Um, I want to go out there and be able to compete at a level that I'm proud to compete. Um, and if I can't compete at that level, <clears throat> that's just an honest conversation that, you know, um, then the time is up. Um, I still feel like I have a lot of things to offer. Um, you know, we've got some bigger guys that are, that are in the pipelines and some of our developmental stuff that we're working on that are they're coming out of the uh, nightmare factory. So there's some kids down there that I definitely want to work with. There's a few big guys in AEW that I want to run with. I'd love to run with Miro again. I had fun working with Miro uh, uh, when he was doing the whole Rusev gimmick. I would love to run with Miro again. Love to work with Lance Hoyt. Um, I'd love to have uh, some tag team fun. I'd like to have a good tag team partner. And I'd like to run against uh, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus too. Um, Luchasaurus is, uh, for bigger dude, is just a, a freaky athlete. And uh, I'd like to, to to have some fun with him in the ring. So there's there's you know the um, there's a lot of talent in AEW that works so so very hard, and the the only um, thing that I think that would help our talent is if we worked more. That's the one thing that I think, um, knowing from work as many years as I worked on the road, uh, we work four or five nights a week, every week year round and you get better you get um a better understanding of the people you work with you get a better understanding of your own character you get a better understanding of the audiences in the different cities and you know with wwe was the different countries hopefully aew is going to continue to grow and expand I, i'm i'm pestering tony all the time about trying to do some stuff in england um i think he's got a vision for where he wants to go and what he wants to do with it and and uh, I just want to make sure that hopefully I'm I'm competing when that happens because I can't wait to to go across the pond and I think the people across the pond will really love our AEW product. So that's it. My whole thing is just being busy, being involved, being competitive, and uh, helping build something grow. And I think that's the greatest thing that AEW has offered me is that ability to grow for myself because you know I'm I'm playing around with a commentary role, and I say playing around jokingly. But in all seriousness, it's something I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about. I'm lucky to work with Tony Schiavone. And, you know, then I work with, you know, Excalibur, who's just <laughs> Excalibur is like sitting next to a savant who knows every single name, every single move. Like, you know, his his play calling action is super impressive. And then, you know, of course, we've got Jr. too, who's like probably one of the best ever to sit in that position. Living legend. And, uh, yeah, Jr. just does it, makes it look so easy. It kind of pisses you off a little bit because he's <laughs> he's got all the good he's got all the good one liners at the right time to describe the talent and enhance the talent and get the talent over and describe the action and and all those little nuances I'm learning from Tony Schiavone and and uh, and listening to Jr. and and trying to keep up with Excalibur. Excalibur is just a whole another level, and he's been. Super tremendous in helping me. Um, one of our behind-the-scenes guys is a guy by the name of Alex Marvez, 
who, you know, we see him a little bit on AEW, but Alex has been fantastic at uh, helping me to learn to prep a lot with the younger AEW talent. Um, that's been the other thing, too, is like when I was in WWE, I knew everybody come through the door because I'd been there so long. My ass sat at the monitor at Raw, either next events or at the monitor just before you go into Gorilla, that where John Cena and I would sit there and watch the shows all the time. I knew the talent that was coming through the pipeline. <coughs> Excuse me. I knew the talent that was in NXT. Come to AEW, I had to uh, basically learn a whole new group of talent, a whole new group of personalities. Um, and it's been, um, it's been reinvigorating to see that passion um, that these AEW talent, the, the passion that they have for doing the product, the, the, the LFG attitude mentality is AEW. Like everybody, everything is LFG. You know, let's friggin' go, but without the friggin'. So there you go. Yeah, and just to kind of step back for a moment and preface my comments. When I say liberated, I don't mean like you're liberated from this evil giant or anything like that. I mean just create a oh, no, 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 freedom no. to have, you know, take take your destiny in your own hands again. Well, I'm taking my destiny in my own hands, and it's it's funny because I've learned, you know, you know, WWE has this very specific way of doing things, and it's obviously worked for them. They're a global, you know billion dollar product and it's worked for them and things are done differently in aew there's a different way that angles are presented there's a different way that bookings are done and it works and if anything it's reinstituted in my mind reaffirmed i guess um that there's no one way to do everything there are options and wrestling is a performance art and wrestling is interpretation and that's the thing that you've got to do is make it authentic um as authentic as you bring it, the audience will receive that and accept it. And I, I think that's, we've got some great fans in AEW that really understand the product and understand the talent. And um, it's just a, a very fortunate time for athletes that are considering, you know, professional wrestling, sports entertainment, whatever your moniker is, you prefer to call it um, now, because there are options, legit options. There are other companies that are, that are springing up as well. So there, there's opportunity for talent that, you know, you might not fit that WWE mold of character uh, or mold of, of talent that they're looking for, but you're still passionate. You still can make a connection with an audience. So there is opportunity for you to make that connection. And I think that's the biggest thing that's been important for pro wrestling. Uh, and a lot of as talent that's been around a while see that opportunity Um you know, between Sam Punk and Brian Danielson. I mean, you know, this is a very exciting time for pro wrestling. It's an exciting time for AEW right now. I mean, people are passionate about it. And that's, as a performer, if your audience is passionate, then it just makes you work all the harder. I mean, it feels like a real renaissance in wrestling right now because we've got so much wrestling on throughout the week again on TV. And it's amazing. And so many different companies and different styles of wrestling. Different styles, which is important. Yeah. You want to give, I think, I think the more options you can give the fans, I don't care if you watch WWE, I don't care if you watch, you know, TNA or AWA or whatever, or AEW. I mean, I prefer that you watch AEW, of course, but just as long as you're excited about wrestling, because as someone that's very passionate about pro wrestling, I, I want our fans to find a place that they enjoy watching. You might like a particular talent on WWE and flip over and you might want to see, you know, Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks or or Jungle Boy, or Orange Cassidy, you know what I mean? You, you know, you want to check that talent out. So as long as the fans are excited, then everyone will do well. 
Yeah, and AEW's been doing a really great job. I've been enjoying the product. I got to see a live show, in fact, in New York uh, not too long ago and had a great time there. So it's, it's really great. Which stuff. one did you see in New York? Uh, I got to see, uh, well, I got to see MJF uh, in the Diamond Battle Royale where he uh, won, <laughs> which was great. So uh, now, now, here's, the, here's the thing. MJF, incredible freaking talent. I mean, and I've been around and I've seen, you know, punk and punk on the mic and rock on the mic and 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 these incredible guys that we've had cut promos over the years uh you know and then you see mgf who has that uh unique ability to literally make people hate him you know in a serious way like visceral hate and i i love the fact that he embraces it because it's tough i think for a lot of talents now the way our society is driven for likes on instagram and and, and, you know, everybody wants to be liked, but uh, a real heel enjoys being hated. Um, and, uh, and I love the fact that MJF sees that, embraces it, and he's absolutely freaking brilliant, brilliant at being a heel. Brilliant. I had the pleasure of interviewing him back at uh, Toy Fair 2020 face-to-face, and that was an experience I will never forget. Loved every minute of it. I loved being trashed by him. It was so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's good stuff. Good stuff. He's a, he's a funny dude. He really is. So you mentioned that you have some plans that you'd like to do and things you'd like to accomplish in AEW. And, you know, last year we got to see you put on the tights a little bit. You got to work with QT Marshall and some guys. Uh, But my big thing here is, is there still a possibility that you and Shaq are going to get in the ring and have a one-on-one? Because we've seen now Shaq in AEW. uh, And I'd love to know, has that ship sailed or is it ready to go again? I don't think that ship will ever sail. That's the thing about pro wrestling. I don't think it's ever sailed. Um, I know Shaq's into it. I know Shaq had some stuff that he was dealing with. I actually had a... um, my other hip redone December 5th. I had a hip replacement done on my right hip December 5th because it was bothering me. So in my competition after QT, I just, I wasn't comfortable the way I was performing. I was a little bit limited in the way I was moving and I wasn't happy with it. And um, so I made the, uh, made the decision, talked with Tony that, you know, we have some big plans for 2022. So I wanted to make sure that uh, I got that fixed and everything was, was uh, moving forward in a positive direction. So I'm very happy with how the surgery went out. Um, had it done by Dr. Carlos Alvarado. Um, did the surgery, and uh, he's the man, the myth, the man to be with. Uh, you know, uh, there's no more uh, arthritic hip pain, so I'm like Wolverine now. I'm like a, I'm a rocket sled on rails. It feels amazing to have, uh, you know, kind of like a hip and joint pain for six, seven years, and then all of a sudden it's gone, and it's like, wow, I'm a I feel like, you know, Papa's got a brand new band. Here we go. So I'm excited for what's coming up in 2022 and being able to begin and work at a level that um, um, that I know I can compete at. Well, I hope we get to see it happen sometime this year, if not this year, next year. But it's got to happen. Oh, so it'll happen needed. this year. Matthew, it'll happen this year. My big ass is going to be out there humping and bumping. So <laughs> I'm going to have some fun. All right. Your words to God's ears. Let's do it. There you go. I love it. This episode is going to be coming out a little bit closer to WrestleMania time. And right now on my YouTube channel, I'm working on a series where I'm looking at wrestlers, WrestleMania matches throughout their time. And I've actually done one about you. And so I basically watched all of your matches and I kind of ranked them with my own personal smarky rankings. Uh, That's all right. (laughs) But I'm curious to hear, what do you think was your favorite WrestleMania match? Or maybe, if not most favorite, most meaningful to you? Uh, Most meaningful? I think, well, you got to go with the biggest one that I was ever part of. Um, was um, definitely the Mayweather WrestleMania. That was an incredible promotion. It was an incredible chance to sit in the hot seat, so to speak. You're doing all the media. You're doing all the 
basically the weight of the pay-per-view you're in a program and, and my role was pretty easy i was working with floyd mayweather so that guy that guy sells pay-per-view is pretty easy but uh the responsibility for me as a talent to to put on a match that would be uh, received well, entertaining, and also I didn't kill a, a billion-dollar talent in the ring by accident. It was uh, uh, a lot of varying factors that we had to take into play, and I was very proud of how uh, that all worked out. Um, I think working with uh, John Cena, looking back now, was a very pivotal match because that was uh, that was a great start for John Cena before he launched to become one of the biggest stars WWE's ever had. And that was the uh, match? Yeah, and to be a part of that journey with him and John and I have been good friends for a long time, and and uh, literally one of the easiest, easiest guys I've ever worked with. I don't think after the first couple of times that John Cena and I wrestled, uh, I don't think we ever talked about a match from then on again as many times as we wrestled. Like it was either he was playing cards or doing or signing thousands and thousands of eight by tens at every show. And, you know, I would just roll in and his, uh, my music would hit, and you know, good luck, be safe, have fun. I'd see him out there. You know, he let me be, you know, my character and he was John Cena and, and uh, we just went out there and worked off each other, but to have that, that trust um, and that confidence in, in each other's abilities was a, uh, was a very, uh, wonderful thing to be a part of the triple threat wrestlemania was seen in edge is another one of my favorites um that was uh i remember in february it's february january we were in peru and i didn't have an opponent for wrestlemania and i knew that you know uh cena was working with edge and they had that whole program and i was teasing cena breaking cena's balls a little bit i said hey man you know i'm pretty good at taking finishes you know if you need a somebody to take a finish at WrestleMania, I could run down and take an AA real quick, you know? Um, and, uh, he laughed and smiled and smirked. And then when we got back on the bus that night, he told me, he says, you're in, it's going to be a triple threat, me, you and edge at WrestleMania. Like he liked I mean, he made that happen. And, and the son of a gun to show you what kind of a classy duty is the son of a gun. thanked me for WrestleMania 20. Wow. He says, so, I mean, here it is years later. Here's the guy that literally picks and chooses who he works with, who um, is one of the biggest stars WWE has ever had and uh, had a, enough respect and, and just, you know, just gratitude that the dude put me in a match at WrestleMania. I don't think people understand uh, being at a main event at WrestleMania. One, you can work all year, work very hard, work very well, and still not get a match at WrestleMania. There's only so many slots available. And, and then those slots, you know, are also uh, will really impact your income for the year, you know, because, I mean, you know, let's face it, it's entertaining, it's fun, but it's also about money. So then when you have a guy that throws you a bone, throws you a favor and throws you in a main event of WrestleMania, you know, he just, you know, substantially just put a big paycheck in your pocket, says thank you, like it's, uh, it couldn't be any better if he had just wrote me a check and handed it to me and said thank you, you know what I mean? So um that's one of those kind of things that there's a there's a you meet a lot of characters in wrestling you meet a lot of people a lot of people are out for themselves and, and sometimes you kind of have to be a little bit self-centered in this business to be successful because it is you know it is a business but to see the character that that guy has i mean dude, he's aces in my book for life that was super cool and he didn't have to do it and i was blown away just with uh, uh humility and gratitude myself that uh 
that he thought that well of, of the work that we had done that, that, you know, he, uh, put, uh, made it possible for me to be in that match. So it was a lot of fun. Plus I got to make out with Vicky Guerrero. So yay. <laughs> yeah. I did get to rewatch that. And I was like, wow, he's just going for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the whole thing. You, you gotta, you gotta go for it. And Vicky and I have been friends forever. And, you know, of course I was really good friends with Eddie, but you know, this, that's a good part about working with people you trust and you, you're actually care about because it's, it's fun to do that because you're, you're blowing everybody's mind. Cause let's face it. If you're going to do an angle like that and you half-ass do it, everybody can see it. It's not good. You either, you know, like everything in life, either you do it or you don't, you don't halfway. So that was a lot of fun. And, and, uh, the Vicky slapping me on the ass on that one raw was just hysterical. I, no one told me she was going to I think I laughed for a couple of days straight thinking about her slapping me on the fanny like I was her, her little cabin boy, her little pool boy. It was, it was pretty cute. Now, Paul, I'm also a huge wrestling toy collector, and you are someone who's had okay. figures throughout, like, it's basically two decades worth of toys, at least two decades, not more. Um, you've had different toy companies making figures of you. So I'm wondering, what is your favorite action figure of yourself? My favorite action figure? Well, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's the one I remember the most is just going, hmm. This, this, uh, there was two, there was one action and this is the WCW area. So I think they were, um, anyway, I won't, I won't, I won't disperge anyone, but, uh, they were two pretty rotten ass toys. One of them was Ray Mysterio came in the choke slam as like an extra, like, like a chair or a bat or a crowbar. Ray Mysterio is in the package in my choke slam hand. And I'm like, that's it's kind of rude to Ray. I mean, they made Ray like he was like two and a half feet tall. And, you know, it's like, you know, if I was Ray, I'd be pretty pissed about that. Because, well, you, you know, you, the respect for another talent. I don't mind the, the battle packages where, you know, you like have me and Kevin Nash or Ric Flair and I or something like that. You know, those are kind of cool. But to have Ray just in the package in the choke slam was kind of like, mm, that's a little, that's a little bit much. Uh, but the the one that sticks out in my mind the most that I'll never forget is the one with the red button on the side. Um, the theory behind it um, was that when you press the button, it would shake because it was angry. It just vibrated. <laughs> it was so just uncomfortable. Like it's like a vibrating action figure. And it's like, you know, I'm gonna have to sign these someday in the future and i'm really not going to know where they've been and i really don't like the idea that this is a vibrating action figure it's just it's not cool like if the arms flapped around or did something you know kind of cool that way but just to sit there and vibrate like a toothbrush mm, i didn't get that one didn't get it well can i tell you paul that scott hall said the exact same thing to me with his vibrating action figure <laughs> There you go. Well, probably because when they came out, we were all bitching about it. WC, I'm like, what is this? Like, why would they do that? Like, you know, but you know, hey, that's, a, that's the thing about invention, you know, trial and error, see if it works, you know, who knows if it would have sold, you know, uh, 400 million action figures, I probably would have called it the greatest thing ever made. But, you know, <laughs> I don't think I sold 400 million action figures. So moving along. Trek Untold will return momentarily. Trek Untold is brought to you by Triple Fiction Productions, 
Triple Fiction Productions produces affordable and unique 3D printed Trek inspired products from the original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, and the movies. Ranging from prop replicas to use in a fan film or cosplay, to accessories or playsets for figures in all different sizes, Triple Fiction Productions has got you covered. Past pieces for toys have included large centerpieces like 10 Forward from the Enterprise D, shuttlecrafts complete with working lights, and the Voyager Bridge, with smaller pieces including Borg alcoves, the Genesis device, and the dreaded arch enemy of Worf, barrels. All highly detailed products are 3D printed and hand painted in the USA, with new items added all the time, while simultaneously improving their printing quality based on fan feedback. To learn more about their products, visit triple-fictionproductions.net or visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash triplefictionproductions. Want to get 10% off your next purchase? Use code UNTOLD10 at checkout to receive this discount. Not applicable during sales or clearance events. That's code UNTOLD10 to get 10% off action figure dioramas, accessories, and prop replicas. Triple Fiction Productions, taking Star Trek where no 3D printer has gone before. Hey, I'm Licia Naff, a.k.a. Ensign Sonia Gomez from Star Trek TNG. And now, Captain Sonia Gomez on Lower Decks with her own ship, the Archimedes. Yay! I finally got a promotion after 25 years. So anyway, I'm here to talk about drivebydogooders.org. It's a little charity I run where we go to the outskirts of Skid Row, and from our car windows, we hand out basic human essentials like water, wipes, cold stream cheese, socks, tarps, masks, t-shirts, things to keep people warm. So we just think that everyone deserves clean water, some protein, and a way to clean themselves, especially during Corona. We also hand out masks to those who really, really need it, who live in tents on the street, mainly the disabled and elderly who have a really hard time getting to services. We do all of this with no agenda, just pure giving, no overhead. If you'd like to go to the website and donate, it's 100% tax deductible and if you click on the donate button you can go right to the $35 option and pick a signed autograph picture of either the Star Trek The Next Generation or Lord X or Total Recall where I played the three-breasted mutant hooker on Mars and uh, that's the x-rated version. Put in the comments section your address and anything you'd like me to write and I'll personally inscribe it and mail it off to you immediately. And again that's drivebydogooders.org. Ensign, I mean Captain Sonia Gomez, signing off. We now return to Trek Untold. All right, well, Paul, let's jump into our Star Trek discussion here. We got a lot to talk about with that. But before we actually even get to that, uh, you have another Star Trek connection, and that's from, in fact, WWE Raw, because you did an episode of Raw in 2010 where William Shatner was the host, and you actually did get to do a segment with him on on the night where, by the way, he wrestled a very young and very Jamaican Kofi Kingston. But, uh, yeah, what what do you remember? Jamaican me crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you remember working with Will? He's amazing, man. I mean, just uh, one to grow up as a kid watching, you know, Captain Kirk and, and, you know, um, being a fan of Star Trek and then get to meet, get to meet Bill. He was um, so kind, uh, so gracious, so open, just super nice to everyone, super humble. And I've gotten to do a couple of, of autograph appearances, you know, since that raw. And, uh, I, I, sometimes I get to see Bill at some of these appearances, you know, and, uh, he's always so nice and, and we shoot the shit and we laugh and I can't express to you. Sometimes you meet your heroes. It's a disappointment. 
you're like kind of sad that you met him um, because they didn't live up to the expectation. Um, Bill Shatner uh, was above and beyond any expectation I ever could have. He was just uh, a, a rarefied air as far as being a gentleman and kind and patient. And just, uh, uh, I came into a, uh, one of the autograph appearances one time and uh, it was the, the green room had a bunch of celebrities and, and some athletes and stuff like that. And they were there and Bill was sitting at a table. He had his glasses on, he's reading a book. He had a, I think he had a cup of tea going. And uh, I came in and I said, Bill, I'm here to get the money you owe me. And like the entire room just went dead ass quiet. Like they were like, Oh shit. William Shatner's in trouble. Like what, what what's going on? You know, <laughs> Bill takes off his glasses and looks around and goes, what do you do? You just, you just give the guy the money, <laughs> you know, but just the way he did it was so funny and so nice. Um, I, uh, I always had a lot of fun uh, running into Bill every now and then part of the, joy of getting to do some of those uh, autograph appearances if somebody like that's there that I know. I know it's like an extra bonus because I'm not good to see him. But uh, working with him on Raw was cool. I mean, I've been very fortunate. That's my thing. That's why I can't be angry. I've been very fortunate in my career to work with some incredible people from, you know, Will Shatner. I got to work with Betty White, you know. So there's there's some amazing people that have that have come through WWE over the years. Of course, great Cindy Lauper and and uh, I've gotten a chance to Pee Wee Herman. I've got a chance to interact with those people. And, and uh, um, as a kid that grew up um, seeing these larger than life stars on TV and then get to interact with them, like, oh, well, they're, they're people just like me. Imagine that. That's why I always try to try to stay uh, accessible to fans and stay humble because, you know, uh, we're all just people. And some of my heroes uh, that I've met have just been such fantastic people. They're good role models. Well, let's jump back a few years and let's start talking about your Star Trek Enterprise appearance. That was on the episode wow. of Borderlands from the fourth season. Yeah, man. So, uh, I'm curious, how did you get this gig? Had you auditioned for Star Trek before? Um, uh, you know, honestly, that was a long time ago. I don't remember how I got the gig. I don't know if it was one of those kind of things where I think they were looking for actors to play the Orion slave traders. Um, basically, the theory behind the Orions, they were a giant race of aliens. They were all supposed to be like six, eight or taller. Um, and I think they were supposed to register like seven or eight feet on the show tall. Um, basically, uh, the green, remember the green chicks, the Ryan green chick that Kirk was famous for making? Well, we're the male counterpart to her. So as pretty and lovely as the green chick was that Kirk made out with, we're these gigantic, heinous, bald, pierced, um, just a very uh, pirate, uh, type species like that's one of the things like you always talk about in Star Trek how badass the Klingons are but when you're looking at the Orions the Orions used to capture Klingons and sell them as slaves you know what I mean that so we were a real we didn't have the warrior code like the Klingons who had the kind of like that samurai code we weren't like that we were just a bunch of big nasty ass pirates I guess is the best way to describe it so um, getting that opportunity. Um, came about and i think someone from wwe or wwe obviously says hey would you be interested in doing star trek i'm like yeah i mean where do i need to be so uh i got a chance to do that and it was uh it was really cool the episode that was on borderlands of course brett spiner was on there of course you know which he was playing grandfather soon which was you know really good cool. scott back that was amazing jolene blaylock was just absolutely wonderful 
Uh, she was so funny. Poor thing. I was having to hold her and toss her around all day long. And she's maybe, maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet. Like she's tiny. You yeah, know? I was going to ask and, about that because basically your episode is you pretty much picking her up and putting her down. Then you pick her up again, you put her back down. I mean, there's a lot of lifting. Yeah, and it was a lot of lifting, but she was so just into it and funny and um, and really enjoyed. Um, she made my experience on Star Trek because I was there almost like my whole Star Trek thing is kind of like a dream because I, as an actor, I probably uh, should have approached the role a lot more professionally. But to be honest with you, I was just so damn excited to be there. I didn't, you know, I don't even think I, I, I left at all. Like when you have breaks, you can just go back to your trailer. I didn't leave. I just grabbed a box that would hold me and sat and watched everybody work. I watched the set. And I remember uh, uh, Jolene and, and Scott Bakula were trying to get me to sit in the captain's chair. And I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not worthy. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Like when we were, you know, in between Texas, no, you can sit in the captain's chair. I was like, no, no, no can't do it can't do it can't do it i don't deserve. like that was just to me the to sit in the chair of the enterprise you know like it's not gonna happen i'm not gonna sit in this chair don't deserve it i i did stand next to it and you know put my hand on it but uh, i did not sit in it um I, I was not worthy enough to sit in the enterprise chair plus to tell you the truth i was about 500 pounds at the time and my biggest fear was i'll sit in it and break it and then like you know get kicked off in paramount i'll have you know, Star Trek fans forever saying I broke the chair of the Enterprise and they'll throw rocks at me when they see me in public or something. So <laughs> it might be true, but we know that you're a proper Star Trek nerd because I mean, you know that you know sitting in the captain's chair is a big responsibility. So I, I wouldn't have done it either. No, no, you just can't. I mean, and you know what? It was just really cool to to see the dialogue. The dialogue was. I remember the dialogue coach. She probably hated me because sometimes I have a problem. Um, uh, I'll say the same thing, but I'll use different words. It's the same exact meaning, but I use different words. But with Star Trek, they're very, of course, they're very dialogue specific. So, you know, uh, I was just so excited. It was it was hard for me to to get my professionalism together to make sure I nailed the lines right and got the right dialogue. I knew the lines, but in my excitement, I was so excited that, you know, I was saying the same thing. But no, that's oh, OK. Sorry. My bad. But uh, the, the, they were all super kind and, and uh, it was a great experience. And I was really hoping that they were going to do another season of uh of enterprise because you know the rumor and the rumor mail and this is the the uh the actors that are trying to get parts you know that, that are so ambitious and that, like you know those characters the orion characters are supposed to start maybe having a bigger bigger part in the next season so i was hoping before the enterprise went away i, I was really looking forward to maybe doing some more episodes of star trek because you know everyone liked what i did and and we all had a lot of fun with it. And it was just a unique perspective to see someone as, you know, large as I was out there, you know, doing that. So, uh, you know, could have, should have, would have. You know, that's like the old joke between Rock and I that if I would run the Royal Rumble, I would have got to, you know, be in the mummy. But uh, <laughs> we both know that's not true. <laughs> so since you're in Orion, too, you're also wearing a ton of prosthetics. Not a ton, but a good amount of prosthetics. You have all the piercings, like you said, and you're also spray painted completely green head to toe. So. Yeah. What was that yes. makeup process that was, like? Uh, it was fun. Uh, I became really good buddies with uh, Jeff, uh, one of my makeup guys on, on Star Trek there, who uh, uh, every morning at 5 a.m. I had to stand there in bike shorts and get spray painted green like he's spraying a, a dump truck. And uh, But it's 5 in the morning at Paramount lot. And, and people don't realize that L.A. has beautiful weather, but in the mornings um, it can get a little bit chilly sometimes. So I'm standing in, in one of the warehouses on a plastic 
uh, drape and I'm getting spray painted with this paint that's got alcohol in it to help it dry and stick so it doesn't sweat off. So it's super cold. And then at the end of the night, you can't go home covered in green. Uh, so, you know, you got to stand there with a bunch of towels and they, they baby oil and they got to scrub all the green off it. I think I was digging green out of my ears and, and stuff like that for, for days after, but I was, I was totally cool with it. I had like green stuff up my nose and all that other stuff, but, uh, I was totally cool with it. The, uh, um, the outfit was really crazy. Um, you know, I had like an animal leather faux gator skin type pants and, and I remember, uh, costume designer was really had a lot of fun with my uh with my character you know um <laughs> he made this giant um cod piece in the front of my pants that uh <laughs> that I turned sideways yeah like yeah when i turned sideways it, it stuck out like a mailbox like i kept freaking i was going to bump into stuff with it and it was uh <laughs> it was funny like we were all having a, a good laugh at the at the uh at the uh, cod piece, like I'm running around with a mailbox sticking up the front of my pants. Like, uh, I guess it was before Dirk Diggler, but that's what I felt like. <laughs> and basically, if Undertaker was Big Booger Red, you were Big Booger Green for this episode. Yes, I was definitely Big Booger Green. But uh, you know what? Man, I'd do it all again in a heartbeat. That was just so much, so much fun. And I was really, really surprised that, like, you know, Brent Spiner and Scott Bakula, those guys were, were also wrestling fans. You know, they had some wrestling stories, of, you know, where they grew up and talked about going to events and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, it's a, you'd be surprised in the entertainment industry um, how many incredibly talented people that are also, you know, wrestling fans. It, it, it always catches me off guard because, you know, you're like, oh, wow, you're a wrestling fan? Wow. So, yeah, you, you've seen me? Wow, okay. Well, all right. Hi. <laughs> I mean, what do you say, you know? And I don't know if you know that this episode is also nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Stunt Coordination by Vince Dedrick Jr. And you did get to spend this episode throwing some dudes around. Uh, do you remember at all yeah. with Vince? Yes, Vince was great because he let me be me. And there was a lot of stuff like, you know, and Vince, and that's, it's great when you work with great stunt coordinators, but Vince was great because he, uh, you know, we were talking and I said, yeah, I said, yeah. he said, oh, we'll cable this guy and we'll do this. I'm like, you ain't got a cable. I said, where do you want him? He goes, Oh yeah, pro wrestler. I'm like, pro wrestler. You know, and then right away he set some of the fight scenes up where I was actually just throwing these guys and they were landing on crash mats and stuff like that. But I thought for a TV show, that was one of the better fight scenes that I'd been a part of, some of that stuff. Because it, it went, it flowed really well and it felt realistic to the character. You know, it's not I'm not gonna go out there and be, you know, oh my God, that's a green Jason Bourne. No, we know that's not going to happen, but it's like, you know, if I look like a, a big green monster, then it works out. So I, I, I'm really happy that, that uh, Vince got nominated for that. That's great. That's great. He deserved every bit of it. Now, did you watch the episode when it first aired? How many times? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. I'm going to start. It's funny. I don't ever usually watch my work because it's like, um, uh, I barely will watch, my wrestling sometimes it's really hard for me to watch wrestling because it's like i'm one of those guys that that uh sometimes i'll ruin the magic out of something by picking it apart uh with the star trek i i just enjoyed it i really did i just enjoyed i enjoyed the performance of the other actors and i enjoyed the story and then oh yeah i was in it i kind of ignored what i did but i just enjoyed the episode if that makes any sense you know but i'm, I'm not a guy that's going to have an entire uh, even at home in my house, I don't have titles up or 
action figures up or, you know, I, I have one picture in my office. That's me, um, John Cena, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels, you know, hanging out after WrestleMania, you know, it's just the four of us. And, that's, and I have one, I have one picture actually of Paul Heyman and I too, when I beat Brock for the title, those are the only two wrestling pictures I have up. So it's, it's just, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big live in the past guy, you know, but the, the Star Trek was great just because, um, no matter what happens in life, I have been part of Star Trek. It's pretty cool. So Paul, is there any other memories that you have from working on that episode of Star Trek? Yeah, actually, it's it's funny. I have a really cool, cool piece of, of Star Trek history. The uh, makeup and special effects guys that I were working with were, uh, we got to do a lot of giggling, spray painting a, a giant in bike shorts every morning. So we, uh, we all bonded uh, pretty heavily. The guys gave me a, uh, a bust uh, of the Borg when the designers um, brought, this is what the Borg is going to look like. Uh, this is the bus that they took and showed it to them. So I actually have a Borg head in my office in the bust. So uh, um, that was my, uh, that was my gift from, from being on Star Trek and Borderlands. So uh, it's pretty cool. Now, like a lot of people, if you're not a Star Trek fan, it just looks like some weird steampunk art. But if you're a Star Trek fan, you see it, you go, Oh my God, is that a Borg? I'm like, well, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, yeah, that's pretty amazing because most people, they don't get to take home prosthetics. They don't get to take home makeup. You've got an actual Borg head from the makeup department. That's nuts. Yeah, I got the bust. Yeah, the one that they made for uh, wow. to say, hey, this is what it's going to look like. So it's pretty cool. All right. So, Paul, as we come to a close here, uh, I want to just bring it back to AEW real quick. And right now in the company, there's a lot of big dudes and there's a lot of big people in general. You've got Luchasaurus we talked about. We have, we talked a little bit about Lance Archer. Uh, we've got Wardlow right now. He's coming up. And then on the ladies side, we've got Nyla. We've got Jade Cargill, Chris Statlander. Uh, so I'm curious, you know, have you taken any of these folks under your wing and kind of given them some of your tutelage being, you know, a big man in wrestling, what it's like, what they should do, anything like that? I do. I, as far as taking under my wing, no, not so much. I mean, they have, you know, for their matches, they have coaches that they work with. But if I see something, and I've been encouraged by Tony and the other coaches, if I see something that can contribute, um, I will uh, I, I will give them some advice and let them know. But again, I always stress to them, understand the advice I'm giving you is my opinion. You have to do your character and what works for you and, and the character that you're presenting. But simple common sense things, um, I give them a few tricks of the trade. Uh, uh, one of my... I call it a common sense thing in wrestling. When you know you're going to get knocked off the apron in a tag match, don't stand there and look for a guy to run across the ring and knock you off the apron. Go to step through. That way it looks like you're going towards it, and then it's easier for you to get knocked out because you're halfway between the ropes. If you just stand there, it's like the scene from Austin Powers when the guy gets run over by the steamroller. Oh, no! Like it's it's know the spot, and if you know the spot's coming, then be interactive and be positive. And that's just a working thing that comes in time. Like great workers, like you know uh, Bobby Eaton and, and guys like that, and William Regal, uh, Fit Finley, uh, Arn Anderson. Those guys never left themselves in a position where um, they were standing around waiting. They knew what was coming. They put themselves in a position to 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 be aggressive or to be attacked in a way that made sense, rather than this. That's that's just one of the little timing things because it, it takes experience to to understand the beats in, in, in a match. And sometimes you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to get knocked off the apron. Well, that doesn't mean you have to stand there and just get knocked off the apron. You know, you can 
go to step in. My thing I used to do is I used to always go to throw my leg over the top rope and have somebody drop kick my foot because how else do you get a giant up the apron? Then I'm on one leg, the foot goes out from underneath, I can take some goofy little bump down the apron and be off the apron for whatever is required for the finish to go down so I'm not there to see it. So that little stuff like that helps. I think those those little tidbits, once you you, you give those to a talent, um, they apply it and then it starts to make sense to other decisions they make in the ring. So that and it all comes in time. I mean, that's the thing. And another thing too, is I hate people that get criticized. They get all this advice after a match because hindsight's 2020. You can, you can tell what everybody did wrong after matches already happened. Help someone before the match, you know, or, um, you know, try to be positive about what they're doing so that it's, it's not just a constant bombardment of, well, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, because that doesn't help anyone. You know, it's easy to pick pick stuff apart after it's already happened. But helping people in a way so they can make better decisions going forward, I think, is a, is a better way to do it. But, you know, everybody has their own style and their own flow. So, you know, it, whatever works, whatever works that helps the talent to, to understand their character and, and make a better connection with the audiences, I'm all for it. And last thing for today, Paul, you know, I know you're a part of many, many universes out there, but you are a part of the Star Trek universe. So what is the best thing about being a part of it? Uh, it's just a unique club to be a part of, man. I mean, I grew up as a fan. I mean, I, I saw all the movies as a kid. I mean, you know, I watched the TV shows. I mean, I had, um, I had, uh, uh, the DVD collections, you know, this, this is how far I go back the DVD collections and with, uh, you know, Picard and, and Voyager and, and all these different, you know, uh, Star Trek genres. I, I had all those on DVD. Like, I mean, you know, I, I remember I watched so much. Uh, I watched so much with, with uh, Picard and number one. And um, <laughs> I think I was dreaming Star Trek because I, you know, I think I was like a nine, nine DVD box set or something like that. And I like watched all of them. So like in a row. So yeah, I'm that guy. It's just cool to be a part of. I mean, you know, and hopefully, um, you know, things will continue to go forward and uh, I, mean, I can go up, uh, get my ass in another Star Trek. That'd be pretty fun. So we'll see what they're doing with Star Trek, but I need to uh, push some efforts that way to get reinvolved with the product. So hopefully so. we'll see if they need a, if they need a seven foot tall ball green guy. I, I know a guy that might work. So there you go. <laughs> well, I know Cody's a big Trekkie too. So we got to get you guys together on, on Star Trek discovery or strange new worlds. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. That'd absolutely be fun. Well, Paul, thank you so much today for chatting with us. Uh, you know, you were saying earlier how sometimes when you meet your heroes, you'll be disappointed. But, uh, you know, for me, I've been watching you since I was probably 16. I can't remember a week where I haven't seen you on TV. So, you know, <laughs> you get a chance to meet you and to talk to you. I I've had goosebumps the entire interview. It's just been electric. Uh, and I cannot wait to see you knock out Shaq hopefully this year. So, again, Paul, thank you so much. You've been amazing. Uh, this has been a great memory. And I appreciate all your time. You've given us today and all your great stories. My pleasure, Matthew. Have a have a wonderful, wonderful day. And uh, I can't wait to... Uh to chat with you again in the future. Thank you. And of course, as they say, live long and prosper, Paul. <laughs> you got it, my man. See that? No hesitation. Nailed that beautiful. It. True fan. <laughs> That's it for this week's episode of Trek Untold. Shout out once again to Paul White for chatting with us and being one of the coolest guests we've ever had on this show. And of course, don't forget to check out AEW Revolution this weekend on pay-per-view, on Fight TV, or any place you go to watch live premium sporting events. This has the potential to be one of the most intriguing, one of the most fast-paced, one of the most hard-hitting, 
and easily one of the most violent AEW pay-per-views that we've seen in quite some time, and I think it's going to be one that goes down in the history books, so don't miss it. Until next time, please don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you're in a position to financially support the show, please consider becoming a supporter over on patreon.com slash trekuntold, or pick up some merchandise from our Redbubble store. If you're looking for direct links for any of these things, links will be right in the show notes. If you have any questions or comments for the show, or would like to suggest a guest, or discuss any sponsorship ideas with us, send me a message at trekuntold at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Trek Untold and for continuing to support this show. I hope you'll come back next time to learn more stories about Star Trek and beyond. Until then, I'm Matthew Kaplowitz, and always remember, fortune favors the bold. Trek Untold is sponsored by treksphere.com. Promoting fan-produced Star Trek content in all forms is powered by the RageWorks Podcasting Network and is affiliated with Nerd News Today.